Welcome to Mindful Moments. This is Penny. This is Cindy. And I'm Teresa. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking to you about the Yoga Sutras and the Yamas, the very first limb of yoga. Yes, yes. The Yoga Sutras is a book that was written by Master Patanjali, and it was written over 2,500 years ago. And depending on who you talk to, what, what theory you believe in, some say that Patanjali was an individual, some say that Patanjali was a group of people. And the bottom line is that this book, the Yoga Sutras, Sutras means thread, so they just kind of, everything kind of runs into the other is a compilation of ways of a, a blueprint for living, how to find happiness. And there are eight limbs of yoga, eight kind of branches, eight paths that you would follow to find this happiness. At the very tippy top is samadhi, which is kind of like bliss and nirvana. But at the very basis of these eight limbs of yoga are the yamas and the niyamas. The yamas are the things we shouldn't do and the niyamas are the things that we should do. So what we're gonna talk about today is the niyamas, kind of like the morals, How again, how you should act in the world, how you should act in society. And even though these were written, as I said, thousands of years ago, they're very pertinent and they pertain to our life today. So, ahimsa, the first one that Trace was talking about, nonviolence, again, take it in the gross sense is that, you know, you don't want to murder anything. You know, we take that as to physically another human being. We can take that into animals, sentient beings, as they talk about in Buddhism. And also, ahimsa, nonviolence to yourself. So, again, we're building internally our nonviolence, our self care, our um, taking care of ourselves in order to move on to the next one. Right, so um, thoughts of peacefulness is yes. where, where we're going. Mm-hmm. We're really aiming towards that. So yes. that means things like anger and jealousy, negativity and doubt for whatever we might have in our lives that, um, you know, how often do we respond to anger just like that? You know, you're in the car, somebody cuts you off, you flip mm-hmm. the bird, you mm-hmm. yell, you hit their <laughs> steering wheel. I mean, just like that. And we say we're just going to give them a piece of our mind. Right. But really, right. we're giving them... The peace yes, of our mind. Yes, the peace of our mind, yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of a retraining. That's what we do with all of these, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, through this, I'm going to quote some things from a book um, appropriately named The Yamas and the Yamas, Exploring Yoga's Ethical Practice. It's a book by Deborah Adele. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a really good book about this. And for Ahimsa, she says, an Eastern thought Nonviolence is so valued that it stands at the very core and foundation of all yoga philosophy and practice. And in another translation, uh, Matthew Remsky um, translates it as his translation of the Yoga Sutras. He translates ahimsa or nonviolence as protection. He likes to mm-hmm. to think more positive instead of things we can't do, things that we can right. offer. So, does that make ahimsa look different to you if we're protecting rather than? not just not doing something right. yeah it makes us have to go out in the world and right. do yeah which is a nice way to look at it too you know when people will say like these are the these are the ethical standards or you know our integrity here and these these yamas 
it makes everybody feel when you say, you know, shouldn't, these are things we shouldn't do. What happens is instantaneously you automatically want to do that. If somebody tells you you shouldn't do it, you want to do it. So that, that taking the positive spin on it. And again, it's, you know, the nonviolence, it's, you know, creating, being more proactive, um, our courage, um, balance, compassion. You know, if we use those traits um, as opposed to, you know, anger, you know, getting defensive and um, just kind of moving through it our own, you know, like it's very personal, you know, it takes us into, you know, not being violent with other people. Right. Right. Again, and it's, it's we, as you said earlier, you know, we think of this nonviolence as, you know, not hurting someone mm-hmm. physically, but it's also we can create violence with our thoughts. Yes. We can create violence with our words and we create yeah. violence with our deeds. So yeah. we, we run into that every day of our oh lives. Oh my gosh. Every right. day of our yeah. lives. Yeah. So then the question becomes not, am I not violent, but how can I offer yeah. more peace into the world, more mm-hmm. protection into the world? Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, and to think about that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. The next one, the next yama is satya, which is truthfulness. And as we all know, truthfulness in a lot of things, not just, you know, the sense of telling the truth, but the sense of living a truthful life. Um, Deborah Dell says being real rather than nice and um, choosing self-expression over self-indulgence. And it's really, she has a really cool little story in here about our biggest fear is that, you know, we all wear masks for different people that we have in our lives. We have the mask for work people, we have the mask for our friends, we have the mask for our family. And she says in here that I'm terrified that one day all of these people are going to be in one room and I'm not going to know who to be. <laughs> I mean, and it's just, and you think about that and I mean, and how accurate that is, you know, we're different people for all that. So if we start to live truthfully, mm-hmm. if we start to just be who we are, real rather than nice, which I'm a huge, huge culprit of just being nice all the time, um, you know, we'll, we'll, everyone will see the same person. Everyone will see the same person. And... Um, it's true that with truthfulness and non-harming or um, ahimsa, non-violence, um, are hand in hand. Mm-hmm. True, they are truly, truly hand in hand. Um, you cannot. Um, I don't remember who said it, but um, you, if you're going to be truthful, make sure it's kind. Right. You know? um, it's that old Sufi saying yes. that before you speak, it should go through uh, four gates. Yes. Are these yes. words yes. true? Are they necessary? Are they beneficial? And are they kind? Yes. But then there's also this truthfulness that we do, not just with our words, and it is authenticity and being who we are completely, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it also deals with things like, you all probably have a student that shows up even though he or she might be injured and mm-hmm. continues to plug mm-hmm. on and isn't bothering to go to the doctor. Right. Isn't showing any compassion to her body, so there's the ahimsa part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then are just not being truthful about the, the situation, the right. reality that they're living in. Right, yeah. So Satya really deals with listening to the body and mm-hmm. taking the courage that exposes us, that exposes our yes. vulnerabilities yeah. like and, that. Yeah, and, and being vulnerable is, is terrifying for most people. It's ironic that you bring that up, that you explain it to us, because I just yesterday had a student that we had this conversation, that her body is, is breaking down, and I said, what's going on? And she's and she admitted, she goes, you know what, I'm not taking care of my body, I, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, so she's hurting herself, right. and then she's not being truthful yep. to herself. No, yeah. well well put. Thank you, yeah. Penny. Yeah, again, Ahimsa and Satya go hand in hand. They are, they are sisters. Your sister Yamas. And 
before the Buddha died, right before he died, like all of his besties are hanging around, <laughs> hanging around his bed and his um, best, best follower, Ananda, asks him, um, who, who are you going to name to follow you once you pass? Everybody knew he was going to pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you are your own authority. The Buddha tells his group of monks that, his group of priests that, um, which is so different than like religion in the Western culture because mm-hmm. we're so used to having that priest at the top mm-hmm. or that top dog, that person that translates between mm-hmm. our higher power and what we've got going on here. Right. And the Buddha, instead of saying, no, you are the right. one who's the authority, it's your truth that you have to live by. Right. And your truth is going to be different than my truth, right. which will be different than Teresa's truth. So right. we really have to yeah. pay attention to yeah. that. And it's important to listen to, um, you know, question, question the truth. You know, if someone's telling you something, and mm-hmm. Buddha says that as well, you know, question it. Don't just, don't just follow what I say because I say it. Question, find your own truth, like Penny said. It's, and it's different for everybody. And the truths that we had when we were 10 are different than the truths that we have when we're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. And it changes. Truth is fluid. It is not... You know, it's not going to be the same, you know, your six-year-old self is not going to be the same as your 50-year-old self. Mm -hmm. There's different truths for both those parts of your life, so. Astea. Non-stealing. Yes. (laughs) You know, when I first, this this book, These Yamas and Niyamas, were first presented to me back in you know, my very first teacher training, it was, it's foreign, it's foreign. And you take it at face value. Mm-hmm. Ahimsa's meant, you know, you didn't kill right. a cow. Right. Not <clears throat> stealing, a truthfulness meant you didn't stay, um, stay a lie. And to stay the same thing, you're not stealing. I didn't steal a dollar from you. Right. But the deeper you get into these, you realize, oh my gosh, there's so many different layers. Yes. So a stay and non-stealing or um, non-stealing, it's like, what am I stealing from others? Am I stealing time for each, from each other? Each others? Am I stealing um, confidence from someone with a word that I said? Am I stealing confidence from myself if I'm having a bad script or a, I'm, I'm thinking myself in, in a bad way? What am I stealing emotionally from myself or other people? So this really makes you dig deep and think deep. Right, not stealing which is kind of funny, we don't talk like that, non-stealing, <laughs> but um, it really does bring generosity when you, when you mm-hmm. break it down like that, when you're mm-hmm. giving of your time, when you're giving of your talents, when you're giving of your service, mm-hmm. you know, and really that is seva or service to others, which really is just a heart offering. Yeah. You mm-hmm. begin to look at everything that you're doing mm-hmm. as a give or take mm-hmm. and hope that everything's lining up with give. Right. And all of a sudden we get back to ahimsa. Yeah, exactly. And we're supporting the world with peace yeah yeah you know I mean and like Teresa said you know there's so many things I mean we you know by by spending some by spending time you know ruminating about the past we're stealing from our future mm-hmm. you know um by not showing up to an appointment that you have you're stealing someone's time right mm-hmm. um you know you, like you said stealing confidence from people with your words you know thoughts words and actions you know we say that a lot in yoga good thoughts good words good actions and they all feed into that you know I mean if you are having bad thoughts about someone, you know, you're stealing, first of all, you're stealing from yourself. You're allowing that negativity, you know, to kind of infiltrate your brain, which is not a, not a good way to go. But, you know, you're, you're just, you're stealing from them. You're, like you said, you're stealing their confidence. You are putting just a bad 
Bad, bad, bad mojo. Bad mojo out there, you know? I mean, I hate to say that, but it's just, you know. Well, that's what the ancients said, that if we take more than we give right. over and over and over again, we will never be fulfilled and we yes. will never find prosperity, which is exactly what karma is, yes. right? Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth because I always, I always put a stay on non-stealing with karma. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to one of the quotes from Deborah Dell's book. She says, imagine what would happen if each time we took something, we mm -hmm. gave something back. Right. And that's what karma is all about. Yeah. My one, my one teacher used to say, if you want a cookie, you first has to give a cookie. Yes. And yeah, yeah it just it, it just it's that that yeah. cycle of life, that yeah. cycle of life, that cycle cycle of giving. Yeah. Because right. yeah, I think that if and, and you know because we live in a, a society that says more is better, you know, more, 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 you know, and so it creates a, a whole whole group of people that live in a state of lack all the time. Whereas we don't, we live in a state of abundance. If we believe we're in a state of abundance and we share, we share our time, we share our energy, we share our, our love, our food, our, you know, anything that we have, if we share, we will always get more back. We will always get more back. We will not be stealing from other people. I agree with you a thousand percent. So the next one is brahmacharya or self-control or control of energy. Mm -hmm. um, some people translate it as sexual energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a it's just good to remember that energy isn't abundant. Like we can have too little, we can have too much, we can wisely store and use our energy. Um, and just to kind of be aware of that and how are we controlling that, pacing ourselves, working out and eating, but also maybe worrying and thinking too much. Mm -hmm. um, so this kind of a, a management of our energy is what this is asking us to do. Right. So passions and desires are in there too, but it's not just sexual in nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said earlier, think of consumerism food and all of our activities, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, or else I won't be keeping up with the Joneses. Right. Well, you know, it's okay to sit on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> if your body's saying that, I mean, that's really yeah. what the principles of Ayurveda yes. are all about as just, well. Just enough, you know, it's finding that, well, we talk about a Goldilocks, you know, too much, too little, just enough. And, you know, with, you know, it's overindulgence, you know, brahmacharya can be, you know, mm -hmm. um, right. overindulgence, which, you know, I mean, and we do that if we're not, you think about it, if we're not being, you know, if we're, we're not practicing ahimsa with ourselves, if we're not being honest, we're going to overindulge in something to help us feel better, whether it be, you know, shopping or, you know, wine or, you know, I need to eat more, I need to whatever more of something, you know, and, you know, overindulgence and it's not healthy. It's just, it's not a healthy place to be. Whatever disturbs the mind and the body also disturbs the spiritual life. Yes. So it's, it's finding that balance. Mm -hmm. It's finding that balance. And yeah. again, going back to when I first read these, um, it was all, it was just explained to me as sexual purity, mm -hmm. but it's much more than that. It's again, it's like respecting the bonds between people. Mm -hmm. It's respecting the energy. It's also about energy. It's not wasting energy or mm -hmm. expending energy, right. which is what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, just to step back and how do you spend your energy right what are what are your relationships with the other with other people and again it just all of these make you step back and have to think right yeah. there's an exercise from jenny lee's book uh true yoga that goes through the yamas and niyamas as well where she has you draw a circle and divide it up into pie pieces mm -hmm. and each pie piece shows like where you have an energy expenditure in your life so there's a pie piece for work and school and exercise and family and home um, spiritual practices rest 
And then with bigger pie, you know, with bigger pie pieces for the ones where most of your energy is going into, mm -hmm. and then you can really step back and go, hey, look, there mm -hmm. might not be balance in my life, and right. what can I do to help even this out a right. little bit? Yeah. It's a nice visual. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we wear business as a badge in, in the society, in our Western society. The, the more things I have to do, the, the more important I am, or you feel better, or you do more things in order to not feel whatever it is you need to feel or deal with whatever you need to deal with. And that's overindulgence. You're overindulging in work or something else in order to not come to um, be nonviolent with yourself or honest with yourself. And it brings us back to our mat too. Yeah. I mean, we can we can overindulge on our yoga mats. We can right, right, we yeah. can overindulge in, you know, our meditation. You mm -hmm. can spend hours and hours meditating. I mean there's a point where this you're good. You're good right where you're at. And we can underindulge too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A priya graha. The last one is non-attachment, non-possessiveness. To quote again, Deborah Adele. A priya graha invites us to let go and pack lightly for our journey through life, all the while caring deeply and enjoying fully. When we have too much stuff, it weighs us down. It's like wearing a suit of armor. It just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And then owning all this stuff, we forget who we are. Yeah. Um, there's somebody that's been, I think she's, she has a show on Netflix. She has a book. She's been all, she did all the talk show circuit. And her name is Marie Kondo. And she's all about, she's this adorable little, little gal. And she's teaching everyone how to scale down what they own, how to fold it properly. <laughs> And I'll admit, yes, my drawers and closet have been Marie Kondo. <laughs> but it made me, I put everything on my bed, which is what she suggests. You take all your clothes out of your closet and your drawers. You put everything in your bed. And it's like, oh, my God, does this bring joy? Does this spark joy? And then you realize, why have I been, why, why am I wearing this? Or why am I having this? Or why is this hanging in my closet right. for this for 15 years? It's visually weighs me down when I look in that closet. So now I open up my drawers and they're they're a lot more emptier, but it's like, oh, I have less things to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a nice freedom. Yeah. I think from my military background, you know, if it weren't for, if I had to go to the military every day from my bedroom at home, I couldn't have ever gotten anything done. You know, you go to the military <laughs> and they tell you how to fold your underwear and they tell you how to fold your t-shirts and exactly how many to have. and and there's really a freedom there that then you can focus on mm -hmm. the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I often tell the story that when I was deployed to Afghanistan that I lived in this little trailer with one other person and I had a footlocker and a bunk bed. I also had a lawn chair because I would sit in the lawn chair but beside my bed and rain. <laughs> so I felt like I was you know, sitting in the chair at home. But even though I had some concerns and worries because I was deployed, what I didn't have to worry about was, oh my gosh, what am I wearing tomorrow? Right. Because I mm -hmm. knew exactly what it was. It was going to be one of my uniforms with one of mm -hmm. my t-shirts with a pair of socks, and I could just get up and go. And mm -hmm. it really did just allow me to focus mm -hmm. on what I needed to do, keeping my head down and doing the job. Yeah. I mean, in our, like Teresa said, our possessions, you know, we, we accumulate. We just, you know, we just feel the need to accumulate. And I think a lot of us do that. We feel, we feel like, well, we have the money. We can get it. We can do it. So I can buy it. And then we just end up with homes full of stuff that we just don't know what to do with, you know. And then again, it's weighing us down, and it's weighing us down mentally and emotionally. You know, we hold on to we hold on to relationships that we don't need to have anymore. We hold on to people in our lives that we don't need to have anymore. We hold on to books. Big big <laughs> problem with that. Hello, huge problem with books. Oh my gosh, how many times I go through my books? 
um, clothes, shoes, you know, all of these things, food. Mm. I mean, I know people who just go to the grocery store and just buy these great amounts of food and they don't need to. They end up throwing it away. They end up yeah. throwing it away. Yeah. When we hold on to things like feelings and yeah. our past, past events yeah. and, and relationships, and it does create all this kind of this clinging, this grasping, mm-hmm. this this reaching. And, and you see that on the mat too when somebody's yeah. really, really over striving to reach for their toes or their yes. their toes are gripping on the floor, yeah. <laughs> or their hands are gripping on the floor. Right. Um, but it's also not about abandoning all. No, like, no absolutely we, not. We do have to have our head in the game. Right. Um, no, it's a little bit more about discernment, you know, about looking at what, you know, what is serving us. You know, what do we have? I mean, obviously, we all have to have clothes to move around in the world today. Um, we have to have vehicles and we have to have homes and things like that. But it's just being a little bit more conscientious of the things that we buy and use and you know consume consume you know consumerism is crazy it's it's a whole it's just taking over the world if having if having the most of everything or the best of everything brought us happiness I think all we have to do is turn on the tv Mm -hmm. and look at all these famous people rich people celebrities that more that supposedly have at all and have drug problems, have taken right. their own lives, yep. are in one relationship after another. Yep. So obviously, having all this attachment to stuff, of course it's not where our happiness no. comes and from. And it doesn't connect us to, to love. We can love and care without having to be possessive right. about it. Right. And we can love without being attached to the outcome. Right. You know, oh, well that, isn't that like how we are as parents? Like, yeah. You All we can know. do is, yeah. lo- is love that child. Who knows? Yeah. You have um, to know that they're eventually going to, you know, go, you know. I mean, it's 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 tough. I mean, I know I know personally it's tough when they, you know, go. But, I mean, you love them and you, you encourage them and, you know, you use your discernment to raise them to hope that they can just move on and, you know, and they, they move away. You know, we all know that. It's right. just we've all done it from our parents and, you know, our kids do it from us. And, again, we can't hold on to that. You know, we can't hold on to their youth so that we maintain our youth. So in um, studying for this, I came across this Buddhist tale uh, where two people are walking towards one another at the same pace in a cornfield. And as they draw near one another, they can tell that it's teacher and student. And the teacher asks the student, how are the yamas going? And the student considers for a little bit and then answers, a thousand failures. And the teacher answers, good. So basically it's saying, yes, we're, we're trying, just, just keep on trying mm-hmm. with the yamas. That's, yeah. that's all this is, is yeah. kind of a, a practice. Yeah, they're choices. They're choices every day. Well, that's what I, I, I tell my teacher training students or anyone that's, that's going into the yamas and the yamas for the first time, they, they say, well, I don't, I don't get it. I says, yes, that's exactly right, because for most of us, it's a new concept. Mm-hmm. And it's the way these philosophy, these, these spirituality books are written, they're not supposed to be written, read, read once. It's not a romance novel. They're, they're supposed to be studied. You're supposed to read a portion of it, put it down, reflect upon it. And then every time we pick up the book or any time we, we read another sutra or verse, it's going to mean something different to us than it did a month ago or six months ago. Mm-hmm. So these books are meant to study, not read. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, you just, it's a practice, like your yoga practice. You know, I mean, like, you know, we don't just do 
one thing one time and become proficient at it. You know, we have to take the time. And two, you know, if you have an opportunity and you grab Deborah Adele's book and you read it, it's very reader-friendly. It's very, mm, yes, very reader-friendly. She's got good stories in there about it. Um, and, you know, we, we take the time and just think, like, take one at a time. Take one a month and just kind of daily or weekly or whatever. See how you can apply it in your life. Nonviolence. And again, not in the gross sense of not killing somebody, although I will hope that nobody does that. Um, you know, are you being violent with yourself? Are you not being nice to yourself? Are you, you know, not being compassionate with yourself? Think about the other people in your life. You know, are you being honest with them, honest and kind? You know, and then are you stealing time? Are you not showing up to your appointments on time? Are you stealing time from your job? Um, you know, not excess. You know, are you overeating because you're sad? Are you over shopping? Are you overindulging in different types of things like that? And um, Pargraha, same thing, you know. Um, checking the attachments that you have to the things that you do have. I remember a couple years back, I had this this little um, diamond necklace my husband gave me for my birthday years ago, and I remember I lost it. And in the old days, I would have gotten, oh, well, upset and felt bad about it, and I remember I lost it. It's like, oh, I lost it. You know, I didn't mean to lose it. That wasn't the intention. I lost it. Um, I feel bad about it. It's it's just an object yes there was some value to it but it was just an object and I moved on and I found it months later between the seat of the car mm -hmm. not even looking for it mm -hmm. but it's just like once you realize that grasping mm -hmm. onto those things that you know my life went on without the necklace and my husband wasn't mad mm -hmm. but it's just once you let go of that you have so much more freedom and how how much more freedom do you have when you um, and control of your energy when instead of getting really angry at somebody, I always use the grocery store line because that's where <laughs> I usually find myself getting really angry. Instead of getting really angry though, to consider, hey, maybe that person that cut me off, right. maybe they're having a bad day. Yeah. That We don't know what's happening in other people's lives. And right. I always say that now when I'm out with my son and, and we're doing something and we find that we might be around a bunch of jerks or something else. Who knows what that person woke up to this morning or what right. their home life is like. So right. just right. give them a little compassion, mm -hmm. slow down, open your heart, and yeah. that's Ahimsa. Yeah. We, we yeah. all have a backstory. Yeah. We all have a backstory. Yeah. And if yeah. we just, again, take that moment, take that breath. We always talk about breathing yes, in yoga. Holy crap, people. Take that breath or two and step back mm -hmm. and then proceed. Yeah. <laughs> And I just want to add one more thing after um, the last episode that we did. There's always like every time we do it, it's like, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. <laughs> and last episode we talked about the things we wish students would know that would help their practice. And I'm thinking, you know what? The other thing is please don't bring a person to a class that is not appropriate for them. Just because you love that hot yoga class mm -hmm. doesn't mean that your 70-year-old Aunt Jenny is going to love that yo hot right. yoga class. Right. And I see it time and time again, and then what happens is the person thinks, oh, this is what yoga is, I'm never coming back. So I just want to thank Penny and thank Cindy, and next time we are going to move on to the Niyamas. So we're just going to keep on traveling up that uh, eight limbs of yoga. And we just want to thank you all for listening. We've been getting some good, positive feedback. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, we really, great. really appreciate it. Yeah. So, great. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Penny. Okay.